0: Guys, can you all turn these up just a little bit? The older I get, the more light I need to read what I'm doing. I know none of you have experienced that at all. Anyway, I mentioned earlier that I would uh, talk with you briefly about my kids and Christmas. And I, I don't know if you've experienced Christmas in a while with young children, but we have three of them, and. And each year, excuse me, each year it seems, uh, maybe you remember this as a kid or maybe you remember this from your kids or grandkids or, or you've just recently experienced it, but there's there's one thing that they kind of, they put on their list and you think, why on earth do they want that? It's just, it's, it's something they see maybe one time, it's not even necessarily on a commercial. Now, Lucy, our oldest, is five and she she memorizes commercials and she will recite to you exactly what the commercial said and when she describes what she wants for Christmas, it's verbatim. It's it's every you know technical speck that you could imagine. I mean she just knows, you know, what those things are. Now Hank on the other hand, he he he's three and he's a lot he's a boy and so he's different. And and he just he'll see something that he wants. We were at Cracker Barrel. Some of, you, some of you are familiar with this. For those of you that are not, bear with me for just a second. We were at Cracker Barrel with a family here at church, and, um, and and they were gracious enough to invite us to, to lunch that day, and, and Hank loves Cracker Barrel. And especially, it's not really the food that he loves. He loves that shop that's out in front with all that miscellaneous junk, whatever it is, you know. I mean, to me, I look and I think, you know, whatever. So anyway, he... At, by the time we're ready to leave, he had selected something that he wanted and was not going to leave that store without it. Except what he didn't realize is that he was leaving that store without it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so we, we had one of these moments that, that I don't want to you know, experience again for a while. Hank is the sweetest guy in the world, and he's sick today. He's not able to be here, but he's the sweetest little kid in the world. But when he's got something on his mind, it, it's hard to change it. And so he's thrown an absolute fit. I mean, if you've, if you've experienced a temper tantrum where, where they, they, you can't even hold on to them because they're flailing around, you know how it goes. And so anyway, he's throwing a fit in the middle of Cracker Barrel. We finally get him outside. He's throwing a fit in the parking lot. I, it's the first time ever that I've had to stop the van and pull over. And, and take care of business with my son on the side of the road. You ever had to do that? You know, most of you just reaching back, you know. I had to pull the van over. I'm, golly, I didn't ever want to have to do that. I'm, you know, I'm becoming my dad, you know. And so, gosh, and so I didn't want to do that. But anyway, I had to, and so we get, we finally, we get home, and, and and what he had wanted was what he called the grabber thing. And it was not just the grabber, it was the grabber thing, you know. It's, and, and And it was this little, like, you squeeze the trigger and, it, and the little you know, hand thing comes together and it picks stuff up. Now, I couldn't bring it with me today because he would have probably thrown a fit that I was taking it from him. But anyway, on Christmas morning, after he'd put it on his list, Santa Claus, of course, you know, there under the Christmas tree is the grabber thing. And he had a blast with it Christmas morning. Well, he takes it with him. Okay, we traveled on Christmas Day to visit Nancy's family. He takes it with him. And any time that it fell out of his seat from the van, there he goes again, throwing a fit because he can't reach the grabber thing. Now, the one rule we have with the grabber thing is he can't grab people and because, because he has an older sister and a younger sister. And so, you know, he, he likes to antagonize a little bit. But anyway, we get to Nancy's uh, mom's house, and, and uh, he opens up one of his presents, and it's another grabber thing. <laughs> Only different. It was, if you've seen the, 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 maybe the previews of the movie Wally and it was a, a grabber that looked like Wally's hands, okay? So he's got this robotic-looking thing. And so they, they, I see my brother-in-law kind of start to laugh a little bit because this one was from, from Hank's grandparents, not his uncle. And so my brother-in-law kind of starts to laugh because they've got him this present that looks about like this. And he opens that one, and it's one of those Billy Mays, as-seen-on-TV, extra-long grabber things. <laughs> I'm telling you what the thing's three feet long. It folds in half. I think it goes around corners, and it's amazing. Little suction cups on the end of it. It's incredible. And so Hank, he not only got one, the one he wanted, but he got three, and they're all different and unique. And so if he had three arms, I'm sure he'd have, you know, one in each arm. But it, anyway, so so for those of you that maybe have been curious, you know, did he get that? Yeah, he got three of them. And so he's good. We don't need any more. So if you got one, you know, whatever. But anyway. Uh, christmas was uh, was fun. I hope yours was too we 're happy to be back and and, um, and continue and, and complete tonight. we 'll complete the series that we 've been uh, going through uh, through December beyond the manger looking at at the the story of Jesus uh, and his birth basically in a chronological fashion, uh, looking at the different events and, and really trying to get a little bit beyond that where Where are the, the kind of the extras that maybe we don 't first realize when we read the story and that 's what we 've been looking at and so Uh, This morning we're gonna we're gonna talk about why in the world the name of Jesus matters. I don't know about you, but my name really doesn't matter a whole lot when it comes right down to it. There's no real significant meaning behind my name. I think my parents had three choices, and it was Bradley, Jack, or Sam, and I think they chose Bradley for I don't know why. And so uh, anyway, so I could have been a Jack or a Sam, but now I'm 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 Bradley Joseph Burns, and there I am. And so, uh, but my name has no real significance. You ever? Uh, been around somebody who wants their name to have some significance. Maybe they've changed it or something like that. I had a friend who, when he joined a rock band, he changed his last name from Smith to Hawkins. It sounded more like a rock, you know, star, I guess. I don't know. And so then I had a friend in in high school. If you remember homeroom in high school and how those first few days of the year, the the teacher really has no clue who anybody is and practical jokes are pulled and different things. And I had a friend whose name was Eric Bishop. And he and I played high school baseball together, and he was crazy you ever you ever been around somebody like that he was literally he was just nuts he'd do anything and uh If you told him you know to you know climb up on top of the church and see if he could land on his feet he'd he'd already be doing it you know so <clears throat> in in home room he he was always trying to figure out something he could do to make a joke or have some fun or whatever home room's boring there's not a whole lot you can do, so <clears throat> his joke was when the teacher got around to, to his name, and, and they called the role, and they said, now, if you'd like to be called a different name, you know, let me know if there's another name you go by. So his name was Eric, you know and, and she gets to him, and he says, I'd like for you to call me Pete. And so for the rest of the year, his name was not, had nothing to do with Pete. But every time she'd call him, she'd say, is Pete Bishop here? And he'd raise his hand, and he was that kind of guy. Maybe you've been around somebody like that. And I, I got the biggest kick out of that, because he'd just look, and he'd grin and smile, and that lady just keep going right on. She was oblivious to anything. And, and so, uh, anyway, so, but, but his name, you know, to him uh, was Pete, I guess. My name really hasn't, hasn't had a significant amount of meaning, but there's been some difficulty with my name. When I was, when I was in the first grade, I, uh, I went to vacation Bible school at my grandmother's church, And uh, that was one thing we always did during the summer. We'd go both to to our church and to her church because she always wanted us to go. And so we went to vacation Bible school. And I show up, and there's another guy named Brad Burns there. And that was just, you know, at six years old, that just blew me away, how somebody else could have my name. And so we were in the same little group together and all that stuff. And I thought, well, that's pretty interesting. We kind of got to become friends. Why not? We got the same name. And so then when I begin that next fall, begin second grade, I get to school and there's a Bradley J. Burns, and in the seat right behind that one, Bradley P. Burns, and I, I thought, now wait, you know, mine's J, so I better sit here. Well, he was in my class. Second and third grade, we're in the same class. Same name, same class, and then again in the eighth grade, we're in the same class, and lo and behold, we played little league baseball together all the way up, and so there we were with the same name on the same team most of the time in the same class at school, and so uh, then I get to college, and and I, I've, I opened a checking account here in, here in Murray. And my name's not hard. There's really, when you boil it down and you just go with the shortened version of Brad and Burns, there's only nine letters. It's hard to mess that up. And yet, when I got my debit card, my name, my first name was not Brad. It was Bard, B-A-R-D. <clears throat> and I looked at the lady behind the counter, and I said, I'd really like to meet the person that messed that up. She said, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't want to meet them at all. Just just send it back. And I said, Okay to this day, my father-in-law, Nancy's stepdad, still calls me Bard because of that. I'm not lying to you. And so um, and then I've gotten things in the mail that, that my, my last name, instead of being Burns, has been Bruns. Uh, my, uh, the, a couple of uh, students in my youth group in, in Louisville uh, took out uh, the R's and simply called me Bad Buns. Uh, and so <clears throat> my name has really no significance, but it... Uh, but it's gotten messed up over the years, and I don't, it's nine letters. I don't know how. Maybe yours has been the same way. Maybe people have had trouble pronouncing your name, or maybe they've had trouble spelling it, or maybe it has a unique spelling or whatever, but very rarely do our names have a unique meaning. Very rarely are we named according to anything that has significant meaning, but Jesus, on the other hand, uh, his name actually means something, and I, I'd like for us to, to take a look at it this morning. Um, if, you, if you've been following along with, with um, the series, you'll know that we've come across different instances, both in Matthew and in Luke, and I won't, won't ask you to turn there. But in Luke chapter 1, the angel appears to Mary and tells Mary that she's going to have a son, and she is to give him the name Jesus. And then in Matthew chapter 1, the angel shows up to Joseph, Tells him it's okay to go ahead and get married to Mary because the son that she's going to have is of the Holy Spirit, and you should give him the name Jesus. And then we get sort of to the end, toward the end of the story. If you have your Bible, I'd like you to to flip very briefly to Luke chapter 2. I know your outline says Acts chapter 3, and we'll get there. But Luke chapter 2. This is sort of where we left off last week. We talked last week about why the shepherds matter, and then this week we pick it up, Luke chapter 2, verse 21. When the eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. And so this is, this is the fulfillment of what Joseph and Mary were both individually, separately told to go and do. You should name him Jesus. He's going to be of, of God. He's going to be the Son of God. And so when, when those eight days were done, he was named Jesus, the name given him, by the angel before he was conceived, and so uh, we, we, we know then that, that there's something about the name of Jesus that's, that's important, and some, some reason that it matters, it's interesting that even even in your, in your hymn book that's in front of you, if you, if you got that handy, uh, flip to a couple of different numbers, look at, look at number 177, maybe you've heard this song before, there's something about that name, I'm not going to sing it for you and totally ruin it, but because it's a good song, I'm not going to ruin it for you, but... Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. We've even written songs about it. And, and then Psalm, uh, the, hymn number 200. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Crown Him with many crowns. Hail the power of His name. And then over a little bit further, 423. Excuse me, 425. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. The angel commanded and was very specific about the name that was to be given to the Son of God. And then throughout the ages, we've written songs and and things have happened in the name of Jesus. And as you read further after this particular story in Luke, you go through both the Gospels and the remainder of the New Testament, you see that lots of things happened in the name of Jesus, that salvation was one of those, that life was given in the name of Jesus, that people were to be baptized in the name of Jesus, miracles performed in His name, that prayer was done in the name of Jesus, that preaching faith, that that in fact in Colossians, Paul said that no matter what you do, do it in the name of Jesus. And so that name has some significant meaning now unfortunately uh, there is no PowerPoint today because we've had some issues with it so on the back of your bulletin as you follow along you're going to have to listen instead of tuning out and waiting for it to pop up on the screen. I know nobody does that here but just in case you were tempted today you're probably going to have to pay attention so if your neighbor's asleep already wake them up and tell them we're getting ready to get started. How about that? What then does the name of Jesus actually teach us? I believe that we'll find today uh, this very simple truth: that the name of Jesus unlocks the secret, unlocks the secret to how we should live. The name of Jesus unlocks the secret to how we should live. And and there's two, two things then to how we should live. I'm going to go ahead and give them to you up front because they're both completely connected, and I'd like for you to have them both in your mind. And I hope to as we look at Acts 3 and 4 that we'll, that we'll see how they're, they're connected and how they're, they're not uh, step 1 and then step 2 that they're really both the same sort of step that they should be done at the same time and if they're not we're going to have this huge disconnect in our lives and so the name of Jesus unlocks the secret to how we should live and, and here's how we should live we should, we should live on the name you'll see that that's, that's number one we should live on the name and then secondly we should live out the name. Now, I'm not, I'm not given to alliteration and that kind of stuff all the time, but hopefully this is something easy to remember. We should live on the name and then live out the name. So I want you to, to keep that in mind as we look at Acts chapter 3. If you've got your Bible open, flip over there to Acts chapter 3. You may say, well, we're looking at the story of Jesus and his birth. Why are we in Acts chapter 3? I'm glad you asked. That's an excellent question. The reason that we're in Acts chapter 3 is because Jesus at this point in time has now ascended back into heaven and he is no longer physically present on the earth. And so the disciples are faced with some dilemmas. How will they how will they continue to operate? What will they do? Will they continue to follow Jesus? The Holy Spirit has already come and 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 given them power. And so we're going to see Uh, Several instances here about the name of Jesus that was important to the disciples, and so if you if you can put yourself in their position for just a little bit, and it's really not too hard because in a sense we we experience life much the same that they did. Jesus is not physically present with us; we rely on the Holy Spirit, and so we're kind of in a world similar to what they were in. So look at Acts chapter three. Let's start in verse one. Now Peter and John were going up together to the temple complex at the hour of prayer at three in the afternoon. And a man who was lame from his mother's womb was carried there and placed every day at the temple gate called Beautiful, so he could beg from those entering the temple complex. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple complex, he asked for help. Peter, along with John, looked at at him intently and said, Look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I have neither silver nor gold. But what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up at once, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up, stood, and started to walk. And he entered the temple complex with him, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple complex. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. And we see here, obviously we'll interrupt the story for just a second, we see here that in the name of Jesus, Peter and John reached out to him, and he was healed. The the man obviously was looking for some sort of monetary gift from them, and they said, I don't have that, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. And it's interesting, we'll, we'll see how this story plays out just a little bit as we continue to look at it. But it was this name of Jesus that would cause problems over and over and over again for the disciples. Look at verse 11. While he was holding on to Peter and John, all the people, greatly amazed, ran toward them in what is called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or godliness we made him walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus whom you handed over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked to have a murderer released to you. And you killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in his name, his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through him has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. And then in verse, excuse me, chapter 4, check this out. Now, as they were speaking to the people, the priests, the commander of the temple guard, and the Sadducees confronted them because they were provoked uh, that the te- the teaching they were teaching the people, proclaiming in the person of Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So they seized them and put them in custody until the next day, since it was already evening. But many of those heard the message and believed, and the number of men came to about five thousand. The next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander and all the members of the high priestly family, after they had Peter and John stand before them, they asked the question, By what power or in what name have you done this? And this is, I, I love Peter's response. Even if, you, even if you don't really get into the Bible or really believe a whole lot of it, or maybe if you really do, this response is just classic. He's standing. Keep, keep in mind, he's standing in front of people who, who had Jesus crucified. So if they wanted to, they could do anything they wanted to Peter. It's not as if Peter has, has the authority or the power that Jesus had and could have stopped anything. Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing here before you healthy. This Jesus is the stone despised by you builders who has become the cornerstone. There is salvation by no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Peter doesn't back down at all. In fact, if I'm in this story, I'm probably saying, well... Um, uh, let me figure out a politically correct answer to give these guys so that it calms them down and doesn't get me on bad terms with God. You ever been there? Somebody asks you a question and you just think, well, yeah, I know You know, I really need to kind of talk about Jesus here, but golly, I'm not sure how that's going to go over with them. And, but I don't really want to deny God here. Peter steps up, filled with the Holy Spirit, and says, look, if you want to know what really happened, if we're being put on trial for helping out a guy who was disabled, I'll tell you what happened. It was Jesus, and not only just Jesus, but he's the one you crucified, by the way. He keeps putting that on. I love that. And he says, it's by his name and his power that you see this man now standing before you. And in fact, it's by that name, and there's no other name given to us by which we must be saved. He goes on and and does that. And then check out what happens happens next. You'd think, well, they would simply just back down stories over. When they observe the boldness of Peter and John and realize, verse 13 that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and knew that they had been with Jesus. Don't miss that part. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and knew that they had been with Jesus. Now, this isn't what I'm going to preach on, but I just want you to know that regardless of how uneducated, untrained you may think that you are, that, that regardless of, of how little you may think you know, or, or take the flip side, regardless of how educated, how trained, regardless of how slick you might be in talking to people, or writing, or presenting anything whatsoever, they weren't amazed because of their education, or even because of their lack of education, What stands out is they they had boldness, and it was recognized immediately. It says they were amazed and knew that they had been with Jesus. I've seen way too many people, and I've been guilty of it way too many times myself, of standing on either education or training or communication skills or whatever it is that you're good at or God has given you, rather than simply being with Jesus. There is no replacement for that in your life on a daily basis. There is no replacement for it whatsoever. And I can tell you from experience, an unfortunate experience, that there have been times uh, when I have not been with Jesus during a particular week and then uh, stand before a group of people. Thankfully, the Lord has has helped me each week to, to feel as if I've been with Him in front of you. But at the same time, there are weeks that you know and I know probably that You've not been with Jesus. I've not been with Jesus. And then we leave ourselves unprepared, and all we have to rely on is our slick educational training, our our slick way of talking, or just what we know. We're kind of winging it. These guys had been with Jesus, and their education then didn't matter. Their training didn't matter. Verse 14. And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with him, they had nothing to say in response. And after they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, they conferred among themselves, saying, What should we do with these men? For an obvious sign, evident to all who live in Jerusalem, has been done through them, and we cannot deny it. But so this does not spread any further among the people. Let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name again. So they called them and ordered them not to preach or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Peter, again, is, is... Peter and John both. Verse 19. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And after further threatening them, they released them. And so the name of Jesus was causing problems. Obviously, Peter and John had healed a man in the name of Jesus. Peter had then given a defense in the name of Jesus. And they were then told not to preach or teach or do anything anymore in the name of Jesus. There was something about the name of Jesus that had kept them going. There was something about the name of Jesus that threatened those religious leaders of the time. And so I I, I know that then the the name of Jesus is important. This story goes on in chapter 4 and the believers then pray for boldness and ask that the Lord would... would, uh, it says in verse 30 of chapter 4, stretch out your hand for healing, signs and wonders to be performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. They continue to go back to that. So I want us to look at briefly this morning how we can unlock that secret of living, secret to the way we should live that's based on the name of Jesus. These guys seem to know something and operate in a way that maybe we don't know or operate in. So... The first thing, obviously, is to live on the name. And again, these are connected, and I hope to show you that as we move forward. There are three things in living on the name. You'll see those three there. They're just one word that you can write down for each one. The first is to believe in Him. How do you live on the name of Jesus? This is the the daily interactions with Him, living on His name. First is to believe in Him. Verse 12 of, of chapter 4 says this, There is salvation, Peter giving his defense again, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. The unfortunate thing in our world today is that a lot of times we will hear messages other than that. And I I, I know where many of you stand and I don't know where many others of you stand as far as your eternal security with God. Where you would go, I'll put it in just terms that that maybe would be very plain where you would go when you die heaven or hell i don't know where all of you stand i know where some of you stand i realize that uh, in a crowd this size we probably have people who have already nailed down their eternal security based upon their faith in jesus christ alone we probably have people who are wondering we probably have people who are hoping we probably have people who have no idea the bible is very clear Peter's words make it very clear. There is salvation, eternity in heaven, in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. You want to know how it is that you can have that spot in heaven? How can I be saved? There is no other name by which you must be saved except Jesus Christ. The Bible says it very clearly. And it's, it's, it, to me, it's, it's a completely freeing experience when you realize this, that you don't have to earn it. In fact, you cannot earn it. You cannot do enough good deeds that at the end of your life, you'll stand before God or St. Peter or whoever you think is going to be at the pearly gates and stand there and have them put on the scale your good deeds and bad deeds and think that, well, maybe I did enough good stuff and this other stuff, they'll just kind of ignore that. And the good deeds outweigh it, and, whew, okay, I made it. That's not how it works. In fact, it's probably as far from how it works as we could get. That's a very man-made concept of how God works. To repent and trust in Jesus is your only hope for eternal life with Him. To repent, to turn from the old life of sin and all the stuff that is not of God. To turn away from that and to put your trust only in Jesus Christ. Peter says there is salvation in no one else. I don't know what you're counting on. Maybe your good deeds, maybe... Maybe coming to church, maybe reading enough books, or maybe just having enough knowledge, whatever it is. But the Bible is clear. There is salvation in nothing else but in repenting and believing in Jesus Christ. The Bible also talks in Matthew chapter 28 when Jesus sent out his disciples. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. And what does he say? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son. You know, in the na- so he, he talks about baptizing them in the name of Jesus. He sends them out and he says, make disciples and baptize them. I, I want to address this briefly because I haven't talked about this really a whole lot about baptism since I've, I've been here. Uh, I, I realize that probably for many of you, you were, you were baptized years ago, and, and no big deal. I don't see a need to continue to get baptized over and over and over and over again. Um, and so Jesus got baptized once, gave us the example of how to do it. Once seems like it's enough. So, uh, but if for some reason, if you were baptized uh, maybe as an infant, uh, maybe, uh, maybe it was a very meaningful experience for your parents, uh, but maybe not for you, and you'd like to take ownership for that. I'd love to be able to talk with you about that at the end of the service, uh, about how you can, as a believer, uh, be baptized. As someone who's already placed your trust in Jesus, now I will follow in obedience. Baptism is second there. And, and be obedient in baptism. Maybe you've got questions about why in the world do you baptize by sticking somebody's head under the water. Well, it would have, you know, help you understand that. You know, we hold you down until we see bubbles, and then we let you back up, and, you know, it's, it's fun. So, fun for us. But uh, anyway, maybe you've got questions about that, and, and I would love to answer that. The Bible is clear that, that you should be baptized in the name of Jesus, and that has to do with being baptized uh, both, both ceremoniously and, and in your heart that you have given your life to Jesus and placed your trust in Him. And so, in the name of Jesus, by standing on that, then you would be, would be baptized. And so, the, the first thing... That, that's made clear in this particular passage of scripture is to live on the name means to believe in him and secondly to connect with him to connect with him ever had those weeks where you just feel like i'm just running out of gas i'm just empty i just don't have anything spiritually i just seem to to be pulling from a well where there's no water left at all in in chapter 4 verse 23 and i won't read it all for us but the believers there after they had experienced this difficult time and and basically, been put on trial. They, they begin collectively to connect with God. They begin to pray. They prayed for boldness. They prayed that God would show up in their lives and do things that only He could take credit for. And their prayer was eventually answered. And so they connect with Him in prayer. I, I'd like for you to, to to try this for for a week. I've I, I've picked out, and, and trust me, if you've already got something else that you're going to be looking at and studying, it's no big deal. But I picked out a book in the Bible that I believe that if you will read through it this week and if you will pray according to what you read, let, let the Scripture shape how you pray. Most of the time we kind of do it the other way. We pray and then we think of some verse and we throw that into our prayer because we think, well, okay, well, God, you know, said that, so maybe that will help my prayer get answered a little bit better. But I'd like to challenge you this week, as I'll do the same, is to take the book of Philippians. It's a book that Paul wrote over in the New Testament. Take the book of Philippians, only four chapters, four short chapters. You could, you could probably read it all in one setting and, and not, not miss a whole lot of your day. But, but, but work through it this week. Maybe you want to go and kind of divide that up and figure out this week. But read the book of Philippians, and, and then do this. Based upon what you read, connect with Jesus in a way that reflects what you've just read. For example, in Philippians chapter 1, One of the verses that maybe you've heard before is verse 6. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Maybe you've heard that verse before. So uh, as a reflection in your prayers, you may pray according to that. God, I can't see the good work you've started in me. Would you please start one? Start a good work in me. Or God, I know you have started a good work in me. Help me to see how you're being faithful to complete that. Pray according to what you read in the Scripture, and just see what God does. See how, if you would pray according to and study according to what God really wants to do in your life, see how He would change you this week. It's amazing to me that when I, when I pray according to what God wants, according to His Scripture, that a lot of times I see things that I had not seen before. My life has changed just a little bit. There's no way for us to know what God wants us to do apart from connecting with Him in prayer and in Bible study. And then the third thing in living on the name is to depend on Him. Depend on Him. I really like verses 11 through 16 of chapter 3. It says, While he was holding on to Peter, the man who was healed, all the people, greatly amazed, ran toward them. And when Peter saw this, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why did you stare at us? As though by our own power or godliness we made him walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus by faith, verse 16. By faith in his name. His name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. They could have taken credit for what had happened. And they could have said, you know, Jesus is gone, and now it's our time to shine. Now we're up. But they depended on him. And They said it's not us, it's not we who do these things, but it's only through the power, the name of Jesus. There are a couple of things, and maybe you'd like to, to take some time and, and begin to study, you know, how can you depend on Jesus? He's not physically present anymore. But his character and his, kind of the titles that he was given, they live on. It's interesting that the Bible describes his character as being full of love. That in times when you feel no love whatsoever, Jesus is full of love. He's also full of holiness. A lot of times we we'd like to take one or the other of these. We like to take the holiness and, and, and pound people with it. We like to take the love and just justify everything that we've ever done. But if we take the love and the holiness, we realize there is a standard that Jesus wants us to, to, to live to. And yet at the same time, he's full of love and helps us get there. He's also forgiving. He's a friend of sinners. He's given several titles in the New Testament one of which is the good shepherd who knows, loves, and cares for his followers. He's called the great physician. He's the doctor who came to heal the sick. And, and especially, he, he talks about those who were sick spiritually. And in John chapter 15, he's called the true vine, the source of life for all who believe in him. And in Luke chapter 2, when the angels showed up to the shepherds, he was announced as the Savior. So to live on the name of Jesus on a daily basis... Begins with, the, with believing in Him and then connecting with Him over and over. And then depending upon Him in every situation. And then, closely connected to living on the name is to live out the name. There are three things there. First is to follow His example. As you live out the name of Jesus, if, if you are a believer in Jesus, then, then it is commanded not only for you to live on and be connected with Him in a wee, on a weekly basis, daily basis, but to live out the name. It's not just for you. So to follow his example, as we read in the very beginning of the story, Peter and John simply followed the example of Jesus in healing the man, in helping him out. Philippians chapter 2. You'll read this this week if you get to it. It's part of the reason why I picked it. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, Did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those who are. In heaven and on the earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the example that Jesus gave us. He left heaven. He left all the comfort of heaven. And he came to earth to live in the form of a man. And at the very end of his life, there's an incredible story in John chapter 13, where Jesus is in the upper room, with, or in, in the, the room where they, they in, in instituted the Lord's Supper and and they're there and he's, he's got all of his disciples together and, and one of the verses right before it, it kicks in he says all power had been given to him and then it says and then Jesus took a towel and wrapped it around his waist and he washed his disciples feet Jesus all had all power knew that Peter would deny him knew that Judas would betray him and knew that all the other disciples would eventually just run away and yet he puts a towel around his waist and in the most probably humiliating form of work of that day. He washes their feet as a symbol to what they should go and do, the type of love they should have for one another. So how do you live out the name of Jesus? Well, you recognize those people that are often overlooked. You notice those people. You do something for them. You serve even when you don't have to, even when you don't want to. You consider others greater than yourself. Think of other need, others' needs before your own. So follow his example and then obey his commands. Obey his commands. There's twice in this story, once in chapter four, verses eighteen to twenty-two, and then continuing in chapter five, verses 20, twenty-two, excuse me, twenty-five to thirty-two. That that Peter and John put back to the Pharisees and Sadducees and all the Sanhedrin and all that. They put back to them. They say. We will not serve you before we serve God. It is not right for us to obey God, or excuse me, to obey man instead of God. And so they made a choice to obey the commands of God. The commands of Jesus were very simple, if you remember. Love God with all that you are, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now I said it's very simple. I didn't say it was easy, because those two commandments are probably the two most difficult things you can ever attempt to do. And I, and, and if you don't believe that it's difficult to do, then you probably haven't tried to do that. Because to love God with all that you are means eliminating everything else in your life that competes with God. Now, does that mean you give everything away? That's not even the point. But you eliminate all the other competing loves in your life and you focus only on Him. And then everything else then lines up accordingly. Those things may come back, those other loves, but now they have a different place in your life. And then to love someone else as, as yourself not only includes just the people that you feel like loving. Jesus went on to say, love your enemies and pray for them ever tried to do that that's pretty difficult so to obey his commands it's a pretty tall order love God with all that you are and love your neighbor love one another as you would love yourself so follow his example obey his commands and then finally speak his name and you may find this one uh, as I do sometimes the most difficult of all these because honestly it's it's uh, believing in him is something that I began to do a long time ago and, and i don't i don't see a scenario that would turn me from my belief in jesus my human eyes can't see it connecting with him is something i've been doing for a long time i, I read the bible and i pray as much as i i can and in, in, in a week and depending upon him is is becoming easier and easier over the years because i've gotten to know him better following his example as far as Is serving other people, okay, well, that's fine. I can go help someone. I can do those things. Obeying His commands, loving God, absolutely. I love God. And to love other people, okay, I can do that. But to speak His name changes the ballgame just a little bit because because when we speak His name, it, it immediately sets us apart from most everybody else. Because there are plenty of people who do lots of good things, but it's not done in the name of Jesus. Or if it is, they don't speak His name. And when the disciples began to say, and when Peter said, it is in the name of Jesus that this was done, that's when people got upset. That's when they, they were threatened. That's when things began to happen. It's, it's unique. You talk to anyone who's from a different faith than that of Christianity, and it's Jesus that sets Christianity apart. Lots of people believe in God, or whatever form of God they think He may be, but there are very few people in this world who believe in Jesus, who live on His name and who will live out His name. And there are, very, there are fewer people than that who will actually speak His name. When something happens, when, when we encounter someone and we begin to talk to them about our lives, how many times do we mention the name of Jesus? Do we bail out by simply mentioning what can be a very generic God? Well, God did this and God did that. They may believe in a form of God, but when we begin to speak the name of Jesus, things happen. When Peter and John, at the very beginning of this story, as we come back to that as we close, they said, In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. In and of themselves, as you see in the subsequent verses, they had no power. But when they spoke the name of Jesus, it released who He was and what He could do into that man's life that disabled man who was broken what we need obviously in our lives is the power that only jesus can bring his name actually means something his name means something different than when you just say your name or mine when we speak the name of jesus it represents everything that he is and everything that he does and it's released into that situation can i guarantee the outcome no But I can guarantee you this, that if you don't speak the name of Jesus, you have very little opportunity to see Jesus really work in your life. And so, where do you stand? The truth is, you can't have one without the other. Because living on the name of Jesus without living out the name of Jesus really isn't true love for Jesus because you're not fulfilling all of his commands. He said, Go and make disciples. You can't do that without going and making disciples, living it out. But living out the name of Jesus without really living on the name of Jesus is just doing things out of an empty faith, an empty religious sort of ritual. And so these things are totally connected. And I find it interesting that as we work through that particular passage of Scripture, and we bounce back and forth between these different verses and showing us how this stuff is all really connected. You can't have one without the other. But there may be one in your life today that you evaluate and say, you know, I've just not really been living on the name of Jesus. You know, I don't even know if I really believe in Him or not for my eternal salvation. I'm not sure that that I've really been baptized as a believer. I'd like to talk about that. I'm not really sure that that I've been connecting with Him or depending upon Him. Maybe you identify that one as the one. You say, you know what, God, I really want you to work on this in my life. Or maybe you say, living out the name of Jesus is just really hard for me i work in a place where nobody else does my family is full of people that they would think i was nuts if i started talking about this they would just they they wouldn't know what to do maybe you say that one's difficult for me and i'd like to give that to the lord today and let him begin to work in me in such a way that that his power is now what's doing that and so which which is it today maybe there's one or the other or maybe it's both but the name of jesus when he was named in luke chapter 2 The name of Jesus would later mean something to those disciples. And the question, I guess, is what does it really mean to us? Do we live on his name? Is that who we connect with every single day? Is he our priority? And then do we live it out? Is it evident that it's not our training, not our education, not our slick words, but that we have been with Jesus and we've lived that out, just like those disciples? In just a moment we'll close and maybe if you'd like to ask a question or you want some prayer for a particular issue, I'll be standing right down here and you're under no obligation whatsoever, but I'd be happy to talk with you about salvation or baptism or maybe becoming a member of this church or getting some more information about this place or just life in general. And We've got some other folks who'd be happy to do that as well, pray with you. Maybe somebody sitting next to you, they'd, they'd come and pray with you as well. Let's pray before we do that, and then we'll stand and we'll sing a closing song together. God, thank you for sending Jesus and for the fact that the name of Jesus actually matters. Jesus, would you challenge us and remind us and encourage us and help us to live on your name, to believe in you, to connect with you each and every day, and to depend on your character and who you've been described to be. May we not stop with that, but may we fulfill your commands by living out the name of Jesus. By following the example of humility and being a servant that you gave us. By loving God with all that we are and by loving others as we would love ourselves. And then by speaking your name, God, give us boldness. Lord, as we read today in the scripture and looked at it, as the disciples prayed for boldness that things would be done that only you could get credit for, God, we pray for the same things pray that lives would be changed, that marriages would be restored, that homes would be established, that people would be healed. God, we pray that it all would be for your glory, not so that Elm Grove Baptist Church could take credit for a single ounce of it, but all we could do is speak the name of Jesus. God, may we get to the point where we cannot stop speaking about the things that we have seen and heard that Jesus has done in this place and in the lives of these people. Lord, in a moment as we leave here, we pray for your reminders throughout the day. As we read Philippians and pray accordingly this week, challenge us and encourage us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, stand with us. Let's close in a prayer. 316.